1: Thing
0: I have to do. Welcome, everybody, to the Washed Up Needle Podcast. A uh, special guest today is Mr. Bob Nana guitarist, singer, musician um, for the band Braid. You also know him from Hey Mercedes, Friction, and Jack and Ace, uh, all the way from Chicago. Bob Nana, thank you for coming.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad <laughs> we were able to finally get together and do it.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, so I want to just start off again, thank you for doing this. It's great to, uh, have you a part of this as, you know, one of the bands that, um, people kind of mention, um, when they mention emo and they mention those, um, bands and going back early, what, what got you into music? Was it an older brother? Was it maximum rock and roll? Like
1: what,
0: what was that first thing?
1: The
2: first thing I think what's crazy is my family, uh, wasn't crazy about music i mean there really wasn't a lot of music in the house but it was really my my neighbors uh they had a a kid who's my age so you know we just hung out all the time growing up and they had a, a jukebox in their basement and i just was crazy about this jukebox and uh their uh his parents were crazy about music too but he was crazy about sports so it was like they mixed up kids or something at the hospital so like uh they just noticed that I was just in love with the jukebox. They loved the Rolling Stones. And so, you know, that was around, um, you know, early, early eighties. So we were watching, like, you know, Friday night videos and, you know, seeing like Mick Jagger and stuff. And I, it was just, it was all, I mean, it was all over for me. I was just completely hooked. I constantly was over there listening to music and then, um, you know, thankfully enough, my family was like, "We need to get this kid some piano lessons or something." <laughs> yeah, so they did, and um, yeah, that that was really it. I mean, that was I was really really young when I realized I just had this in me. And I had to play music and loved it.
0: And so you started with with piano. Or? Well, you know, that that was like your parents' when wishes. I was
2: yeah, well, I mean and, and I'm glad they did that because it really taught me a lot. Even at the time I hated practicing. I I I, I mean I I hated a lot of the theory stuff about it. I was just trying, you know, like you know, get this, you know, I don't care about writing, you know, or, or scales or anything. I just want to like play and write my own songs or something. But but you know, in the end I'm glad I um I'm glad I was able to do that. But uh yeah, and then it was drums were pretty much the first Instrument I played in a band, and that was uh, that was in high sc- that was in high school. And was
0: that awesome? I mean, that first practice with everybody, and you're trying to work out songs. And what did you guys do covers first to kind of feel each other out? What were some of the?
2: Well, yeah, the first band uh, I was in was called Slap Happy, and yeah, you know, we were just crazy stupid kids. So yeah, it was a lot of covers. We uh, we played Louie Louie a lot. It was just like the easiest covers we could do. And, uh, so, you know, just sort of testing the waters with, you know, what sounded good and what, uh, what people, what people were into and what we were comfortable doing too.
0: Are there any recordings of that? Cause I think that would so, be fascinating.
2: Sadly, there's one, we were on one, uh, seven inch comp, uh, the comp was called the decline of the Western suburbs. <laughs> Don't find this song okay i won't i promise <laughs> so, whatever i don't sing on it but uh, i am playing drums yeah the song's called gangway nice good luck good luck finding that one <laughs> all
0: right anyone out there that finds it um i will i don't know what we'll do but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> congratulations oh man um with the you know with with the stones and and that kind of thing was it something that you felt that you could play multiple instruments? Like you're like, I can, wow, I I want to play drums. I want to play guitar. I want to sing.
2: No, no, not really. Because of the fact that it was sort of built, it was the Stones. It was like they were playing on TV. They were in my friend's jukebox. Like they were completely untouchable. I mean, they were in magazines and stuff. But um, it was uh, when I was in high school and sort of started hanging out with like the punk kids and started going to local shows and seeing that there were people my peers you know at you know age 15 14 were like playing shows in basements and stuff that you know it it was then that i realized shit i could actually do this in front of people you know Mm -hmm. so uh were
0: were your parents cool about you kind of doing the shows or starting playing my parents were completely against most of this. Uh, Yeah. They were like, I don't know why you're playing this music. Like you you need to, why are you out on a Friday night and a Saturday night? And was it kind of, they knew where you were going and that was okay or.
2: Yeah. Um, they were pretty upfront with me about it. They, uh, they they were totally cool with how I even practiced at, at my house. And I I mean, I played the drums. It was loud. I'm sure it was just, just hell for them. But, um, no, they were cool with it. All they they really, really cared about was me finishing school and getting a degree. And they're like, "It's all you. All we want you to do. Otherwise, go crazy, tour, play music. We 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 support you on this. Just just do us this one favor. We let you practice here. Just go to school, finish school. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what I did.
0: Nice. And then, do you remember the um, first record that you ever owned? Like you went
2: and bought. Um. I don't remember the actual record. I mean, I remember having like, a bunch of 45s when I was, uh, very, like very small. I remember having like an Elvis Presley 45. I remember having like an ELO, uh, 45. the song rock and roll is King, uh, from like the early eighties. But I do remember very specifically the first CDs I bought. Uh, and those were death, let hysteria. And, um, John Cougar Mellencamp, The Lonesome Jubilee.
0: That is a fantastic double shot right there.
2: <laughs> well, Hysteria is uh, just a classic record. Classic. Lonesome Jubilee, not as much, but still pretty good.
0: Was it the... Uh, I was just thinking about um, the first kind of records that I'd had, and with... Um, the Beastie Boys passing. Uh, I remember thinking, I got Check Your Head as like the BMG twelve for one. Um, oh, of course, right like Columbia house and all yeah, that. Yeah, so I yeah, was like, I think, done that. yeah, I was like thinking. And I think Hysteria came like with all those the, all those CDs. Um, yep. But the, what a what a scam! What, what a scam. scam that was. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, the, I I was, you, but you but you thought you're like, all I have to do is tape a penny to this, I'm good I to know. go. I <laughs> know. Hats and then on. they just send me stuff. I don't even have to ask for it. <laughs> we were dumb. Uh, I know. And then uh, was there... Do you remember your first kind of show? Was it Was it a basement show? Was it... Uh, this is like a first show you attended, like a friend brought right. you or something. Was there anything that... any You know, was uh, Fugazi there and you had no idea or something yeah. awesome?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, you know, echoing a lot of the people you've interviewed already. There are two... Uh, shows in particular that were I, I saw very very early on, and one was Fugazi, and I remember the date because it's my birthday. Six, it was six fourteen nineteen ninety. Um at, at a place called Medusa's here, and um, what's crazy is trend, this band Trenchmouth opened, and the drummer of Trenchmouth, Fred Armisen. But, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just completely life changing. Like that that show was just incredible because it was a big big show bigger than any show i'd been to previous and it felt so uh so comfortable so like intimate even though it was a huge show that for for part of the show they like brought people on stage to play their instruments it was just complete madness um and i you know i, I looked on the fugazi um you know they have that live archive i don't think they have this show with recorded and up yet because when it's when it's up I'm, i want
0: it yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah the two shows that i went to they're they're not up yet either i was like waiting yeah. <laughs> now the the funny thing the trench mob i was fascinated yeah. when he did the fist fight in the parking lot song for the snl skit yeah and i have the seven inch i bought it from drag city and supposedly yeah. he's around my neighborhood and I'm tr- i've been like Hoping that I see him and be like, "Can you hang on like five minutes? I gotta go get my nah. seven inch
2: <laughs> yeah I saw I, you know when when he was here and before he like kind of blew up, um I had spoken with him a few times, so um I don't know if, if I, you know if we know each other, but I saw him recently um I was in New York, and I went to an s n l show and I went to the after party and I saw him, and I had to stop him and i I was like, hi, you know." I, Whatever, and I, I I've met you a few times from blah blah blah, but I just wanted to let you know that I saw off play on 6-14-1990 with Fugazi, and it like just changed the course of my life. And he's like, it it changed the course of mine too. Like wow. he, he used, he remembered this. He's like, I totally remember that show, and it was very special for for all for us too.
0: See, now you were totally scared going up, and you're thinking, God, I'm gonna meet this guy, he's gonna blow me off, and then he gave you the best answer.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, because I'm yeah, because, yeah, because I'm growing up talking about the Fugazi show from 1990 it's, that we were both at. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like true. It's not, I'm yeah, I'm not talking about I don't know his Obama impression or yeah, something. which
0: know. is I think great. That was so yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and then you know, learning about bands like from that was it was it the very catalog was it the back of the CD? Um, seeing who thanked who. What was some of the yeah. things that you kind of learned to find more bands.
2: Definitely Zines, definitely Maximum Rock and Roll at that point in time was like the way. And it was reading all the columns, reading all the interviews and articles and like the scene reports that they used to do um, to see what was going on in like Austin and what was going on in Berkeley and blah, blah, blah. But what was crazy about it is my friend and I would get the Maximum Rock and Roll and just, just comb it, completely comb it for um ads for records that we wanted or thought we might want like i remember i remember so remember all the the discord ads were so i don't know iconic in the um yeah in the in the maximum rock and rolls and like we would just just pull our money and order stuff from every every magazine you'd get an ad in there and we would we would buy it if it looked cool
0: wow so then, yeah, and, and, and yeah. then from that was it? All right, all the Discord stuff I gotta get. I have to get all pretty the quarter much. stick because I figured you know Peg Boy and those kind of things were around then too.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. It was all Discord and Lookout was stuff. We were just buying all, all that stuff like Sam I Am and you know the first Green Day records and mm-hmm. Fifteen and well Jawbreaker too. But like yeah, and then Discord. It, it, yeah, anything that came out on Discord, we were buying. And and it was awesome, because we were kind of, you know, opening up to new music, like Shudder to Think. When we first heard Shudder to Think, we were like, what the
1: hell is this?
2: <laughs> and, you know, it turned out that we ended up, like, really getting into it and really liking it. And the, you know, so it's awesome that that, that was the case. And there's a, there's a record store here called Reckless that we used to just frequent all the time. And same thing, I, I would just go through the seven inches and just pick out stuff that I liked and buy i I would just buy it. Wow,
0: And it, it yeah. was, you know, it was all about the artwork, too. For it was, sure. You, uh, it, it's, it should have a really cool thing on the front. You can't be minimal. Like, you need to get me. So it was like marketing right there, just your, your uh, image. <laughs>
1: it's
2: true. It's so funny because, you know, all of the bands that were probably in that bin, you know, were probably like, you know, fuck, fuck marketing and we're doing a yeah, DIY. Right? But in reality, it's just... It's just like the same old thing. You know, they're selling themselves. I mean, we—that's the same thing. I, I was so drawn to the ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, I like needed new music. You know, it's just kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I just remember going through the CDs and seeing who they thanked. And being right, like, I remember you, I heard you talk about that. And yeah. I, just, I just, it just seems like you were kind of doing it in the, the the same sense where, all right, I see this ad, it looks cool, I'm buying it, I trust Maximum Rock and Roll, I trust that the advert, you know, this advertisement is legit, and mm-hmm. it's that soul, whole trust thing. Um, yeah. And then from, from that, you know, finding out all these bands and those influences kind of turning into what had a few of the bands I think you know friction and then obviously into braid and you I think I read that you had found you know the first drummer through maximum rock and roll
2: yeah which is yeah
0: yeah definitely I um
2: yeah because I graduated high school and then I went to college uh, in Champaign-Urbana and immediately wanted to start a band but I didn't want to bring my drums and I I had this sort of junky guitar that a, a friend's dad had given me and I brought that along, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to play guitar now. <laughs> and yeah, just put put the ad, in the it wasn't it wasn't even a classified for looking for a drummer. I think I was at the time I was trading videos of bands playing, and um, this guy Roy, uh, I think I think it might have been a Sludgeworth video or something. Uh, yeah, he wanted to trade for it. He had some video of a of a band playing in Champagne, and We hooked up and I'm like, hey, I'm actually going to be there. Let's hang out. And he's like, I play drums, and that that was pretty much it.
0: And starting, you know, Braid was it? Was it Jawbreaker? Was it Fugazi? That was sort of the the sort of mindset. Because I didn't grow up in the Midwest, and I think I'm Mm -hmm. just I'm so fascinated just that little subset of the scene and what kind of came from it and the bands. And can you kind of talk a little about of like obviously starting Braid, but then. All the bands around it, kind of swirling, all sort of had the same mentality.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Jawbreaker and Fulazi, without a doubt, were like the the V bands for for us, and sort of guided anything we tried to do. Um, It was like the 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 really kind of confessional, straightforward um, lyrics of Jawbreaker with like the sort of angular, crazyish. Guitar music of Fugazi. And sort of the, the angst, for lack of a better word, uh, of Fugazi too. So, it was that, that, that was sort of directing what we were doing musically. And everyone else in the scene, you mentioned like, you know, all the other bands. There was this, this band Gage, there was Captain Jazz of course. There were a lot of bands in the western suburbs of Chicago at that time that were all sort of helping each other out and playing that that's sort of similar music, uh, and so, yeah. Once we started writing songs, it was like that was just what came out.
0: Yeah, it, it totally makes sense, and I know you said it, but like just hearing you guys and what you did, it wasn't it wasn't straight ahead, but it was it, you still heard like hooks, but it wasn't like the verse chorus verse. It was right. one little part, and I think um, I think so many bands um, you know gravitated toward that after. Um and sort of took it and you guys you yeah. know, obviously took it from somewhere else. Um, and then re- was there in the scene relationships? Was it you know were you hanging with the hardcore bands? Were you hanging with you know the punk bands? Then it didn't really matter, or did you kind of see like okay, well that band sounds like us, we should be friends? Or as you were starting yeah. playing more, what was was there any thing with that?
2: It, there really wasn't too much cross genre stuff, a little bit. I mean, because we're in the suburbs, we would occasionally end up playing shows with like, um, one of the, like a Victory band back there. In fact, my first show ever, and Victory was a different label back then. It was way more straight edge hardcore. But, uh, my first band ever, it was a flat type. He played Tony Brummel's house. Like, he used to do shows at his house. And we opened some show. It was my very first show ever. And I, I don't know the date. I, I have it written down somewhere, but, so, I mean I guess in that sense there was that sort of cross scene sort of thing going on. But when we were setting up our our own shows at um uh VFW halls and spaces or when we were playing there was there was a club there called McGregor's, uh that was like the place to play if you you know, you were touring down and come through Chicago, you wouldn't play the city, you would play McGregor's, it was in Elmhurst. So it was like the dude who was booking there would put Uh, us, like uh, Braid, or not Braid at that time was Friction, but like Captain Jazz on, you know, uh, opening for, you know, Sam I Am, if they were coming through, or Jawbreaker, or or like, you know, Smoking Popes would play there, too. Uh, But, you know, we weren't really playing with, like, Screeching Weasel when they play there, or the Vindictives, because uh, they they, they weren't really... We, you know, our our scene or our... Well, the crowd was exactly the same at these shows. I mean, I loved Screeching Weasel, so we were always at the shows, but for some reason, we didn't end up playing with those bands a lot. It didn't happen until we started going on tour that we started playing with like more hardcore bands or, mm-hmm. more, or just different-sounding bands.
0: And then touring.
2: Uh,
0: obviously, early, early on, um, there wasn't the buses, there wasn't the, any... You know, Kate, what were some of those feelings that you see now you know you're touring maybe with hey mercedes later on or those what were some of those differences that you were like god i wish i knew that or um any anything from that i just feel like the like a band like you guys early on it's mm-hmm. it is the five guys at the show and then the next yeah. time you come through it's 10 and 20 right. and now it's so much easier to get your name out before you even play a show and you guys were doing this dirty work
2: it's true. It's true. But I mean, I guess it, there's there's still dirty work now. I guess it's just a little. It's a little more sitting by your computer doing the dirty work instead of like grinding it out. But I, you know, I didn't mind that at all because I love traveling so much and and just hanging out and seeing meeting other people and stuff. You know, when we started um, touring, it was just like a drive. I mean, we wanted to be out touring all the time. So when when uh, Chris and I were on spring break or something, we were immediately on tour, and there were there were times where we were playing like over you know almost two hundred shows a year because we were just touring, touring touring, and you know we you know it, it helped us become a, a better live band and um got us out in front of more people but yeah i mean the first you're you're right the first tour the first west coast tour we did I remember we played um a uh, place called Al's Bar in l a and nobody came there was zero wow zero, zero paid attendance
0: that's awesome
2: <laughs> yeah and, uh, it was a little discouraging but no <laughs> oh, i uh, meant awesome
0: very 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 sarcastically that just yeah but you yeah. like roll up you're like los angeles we're gonna kill it and oh, no. you know, the guy the bartender um was uh i feel the you know with you guys and playing all those shows when did you kind of Were you sitting in the van and driving and you're like, this is going to last for a bit? You know, I mean, everyone seemed to work together. I mean, there were changes in bands, but the overall, like you and Chris, I feel like, when did you kind of feel that it's obviously still going on? You
2: know? (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, it never really crossed, it it really didn't cross our minds. We were just, we were just doing it. It wasn't like, hey, this is going to, we're going to do this forever. Um, We just loved doing it. And we have this sort of, nonchalant uh very unorganized way of touring and recording. I mean when we were home we would just go to our friend's house and practice a little bit and he had the recording set up so we would just record some stuff and then you know we would book a tour and you know you know Todd, Todd uh the bass player would um you know get on the phone and, and book shows and stuff but I I don't know, we were just psyched to to be doing it. I mean, there wasn't really a point in time when, you know, we, we like sat back and thought, Hey, this is really working.
1: You know,
0: at least for me, I,
2: I didn't, I never really felt that way.
0: Well, and I think too, that's maybe coming from the right place where it wasn't like you got in the van and you're like, well, we're going to do this and then we're going to add lights and then there's going to be strippers on stage. It was just, we're going to, we're going to play the music and, and go. And, and I think that's partly why I think you guys are put in those top 10 lists, those top. You know whatever it is, and always brought up um, in the same little pocket um, because of that. Because it was yeah. you played so many shows, you were out there, you were doing it, and um, I, I personally think that's partly why. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I, it was. Yeah, it's just sort of looking up to all the, the people that we were, the bands we were playing with were all doing it too. Bands like At the Drive-In and Hot Water Music and Get Up Kids. Like the first time we we played uh, El Paso, I was with off to drive in, and they were about to go on a like a six-month tour. I don't even think they had a record out. Wow! And I, we were just like, wow, you guys are nuts. <laughs> but, but awesome. But have an awesome time. Same with this band, Super like Johnny. From here, I remember them just being like, yeah, we're gonna go, you know, on a six-month tour, and then we're going to Europe for like a month. They, they didn't have any record. Didn't have any music out. It's like, wow. Yeah, you know, awesome, but. That's, a nice,
0: that's a nice. <laughs> I was lucky to see Sweep the Like Johnny. They played uh, in Vermont, and uh, I bought both records. I forget. I don't yeah. know. I didn't it was they were so different. Um, oh yeah. And just I don't know, so different from every other hardcore band that I was seeing and at that damn venue, and it was actually something different. So yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. When was the first time you heard the dreaded word, the emo? Oh, uh, emo.
2: T- it was a lot. I mean, it was pretty early on, and at the time, you know at the time we were hearing it, I was throwing it around like anyone else, even in describing what we were doing, because it meant to, to us, or the way it was being thrown around, it sort of meant Jawbreaker and Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if Jawbreaker and Fugazi are emo, then count us in. We <laughs> want to be emo. You know, or like Hoover was another band that yep. we just really tried to emulate. It was like, emo, 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 count us in. And then, but there was also bands from like, you know, San Diego, like, um, Spillac Corso and, uh, swing kids and stuff that were very screamy, but they were called emo too. So it just seemed like just this general term that, I don't know. It was like no, one, everyone knew what it was, but no one could really describe it. But it, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, at the time we were embracing it, <laughs> you know, we, we, we dug,
0: we dug it. Yeah, I, I thought it It came, f- for me, it came from a screamo kind of part, where I was like, they're screaming, but it's kind of melodic, and mm-hmm. it's heartfelt, and then it kind of turned, you know, pop, and what, what you know, relative terms, pop, but it started, right. and there was like a second wave, third wave, and... um were there? I mean, you've mentioned a bunch of bands, um, you know, that people um, I'm sure are writing down and stuff for to, to <laughs> listen to, because that that's what this, you know, I feel, you know, mentioning those bands from San Diego or Sweep to Leg Johnny, right. like those were those were bands were around and obviously, you know, um, didn't really didn't really connect on a larger scale um, throughout sure. time. Um, and I think with with you guys, and when did it kind of did you guys see that scene and you emo and yeah we're totally part of it and then was there a day where you're like oh hell no no nope, no nope.
1: <laughs> so well
2: well a little bit the one turning point that that sticks out in my mind very uh, you know clearly is um, Maximum Rock and Roll at one point did this sort of purge. Where I guess tim the the founder of, of Max rock and roll, just one day said, No more emo in maximum rock and roll. and you know or it was just like this is a punk magazine uh, zine, like it should be punk, punk, punk. And at the time, I think Kent McClard was a um, was a was a one of the columnists. And so he was like, "Well, that sucks." And then so he started heart attack, that Zine heart attack, yep. which is which I think was a direct result of Maxim rock and roll sort of shunning this whole genre of music. Um, Interesting, yeah. And so it was at that point in time where I thought, like, "What? Wait a minute! Like, why do people hate this? I, I don't. I just don't. I, and I didn't get it at the time. Or why does this person hate it? Why do like punk?" what do punk kids have against email? Because email at the time it was like punk. Like, yeah. This is just this is just all punk, you know? So yeah, that was really I think the turning point where I was like, huh, like are people is there like this there's a backlash. So yeah, and then it just it sort of got worse and worse and sort of had these, you know, little factions, um, that. Okay. And then was crazy is I remember Heart Attack wouldn't review your record if there was a UPC code on it. Wow. Like, yeah, it's just like, and then you're like, oh, you're starting the scene, but you're just going to embrace everything, but, but you've you got your own, own little code. crazy rule, too. So it's just like, oh, this, this sort of sucks, but, yeah.
0: And then going through it, I mean, you're obviously the Get Up Kids and you know Sunny Day, all these bands were kind of coming yeah. and going, and um, I think each band had a different feeling toward it. And some of them were completely like, we're an indie band. we're Har-, and, yeah. and they're all, but for some reason, this still stayed together and it still was connected. Do you, do you have any insight on why it, it, it was there? It went away, people went away. And then now it's 2012 and it's the year, the year of the reunion. And is sure. it, is it, is it everyone's older and they kind of or they don't I I'm in my thirties so I don't care anymore. Yeah. You know I will go see you know Annie DeFranco if I want. I don't care. Like sure. well, is
2: that what do you think? Um, I see a little bit like the the reason why you know one of the reasons Braid uh, got back together was that I I reconnected with Chris. I really hadn't even talked to Chris for a, there was a span of maybe three years, three or four years where we just completely lost touch and then we got back in touch and then started doing these DJ nights together. And then we're like, we should, you know, we're doing sort of like a punk emo DJ night. Mm-hmm. Sound, sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, so we, you know, we're playing and we're every, or once a week at this bar here and I think I'm like, you know, we should, what if we got together and just tried to write some braid songs? It might be fun. Um, and so that was really where that came from. But, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, all the reunions and stuff—it's—it's it's interesting. Um, I think definitely the internet has a lot to do with it um, because of how easy it is for bands to get their music out, and also there's there's sort of like a new school of labels coming out now that uh, uh, sort of are catering to a, like a similar sort of scene than that we were a part of way back when and i'm and i'm thinking of as of labels like top sure, shelf yeah. or no sleep or something where it's like these like the bands at least the ones i've seen and i'm not an expert on the new bands by any means but like they're playing house shows they're yeah. going on tour and they're grinding it out and they're doing their seminars. They're screening their own shirts. They're screen- This is so familiar. It's like yeah. it's all the same it's it's the exact same thing again. I mean, it's cool. Um and but, you know, it's it's a new crop of, of kids that have learned how to use the the tools available to them now, like the internet and you know, you know MP3s and all that and digital stuff to revive that sort of diy feeling and uh i don't know it's 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 a cool it's a cool scene i'm gonna go to a house show later this month and check it out
1: yeah but it's that like, like, who's dad who's dad is this
2: yeah
0: (laughs) get dad out of here do you uh i was thinking about that too with there's obviously during to time in the bands and braid and Hey, Mercedes, you're getting, you know, stopped or say, Hey, what's going on now? Are you stopped like at the grocery store or something with the guys got the stroller and the two kids and he's saying hello? Cause it's that, that time,
2: you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Oh, de- yeah. De- uh, yeah. I mean, de- definitely all my, a ton of my friends, uh, you know, have families from back then. I mean, Todd has, has a, uh, a, a daughter now and, um, Damon said his son, but like yeah, I mean everyone's grown up. I'm 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 getting there. I'm getting yeah. there. I'm not totally there, but I'm I'm getting there too. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, all of the, the, the people that um were coming out to shows and doing shows for us and now have families and and kids and stuff, but they're still they're still coming out and, and, and I think and that's talking.
0: yeah. I, I joked at the Promise Ring show that every uh, there's a lot of people here with babysitters, you know, going on, and yeah. and not that that's a bad thing. And I just kind of thought ahead, like twenty years, like is there going to be a you know an amphitheater or something where it's you know the sounds of emo, you know, and then all the bands come out and there's you know, one <laughs> remaining member. I I just it's just I, it's yeah, we'll do
2: you like state fairs or something. The what? like the state fairs, you know, oh, yeah. like how. Sticks and like uh Fauna and yeah. all, those, you know, all those bands play like State fairs out?
0: Yeah,
2: Tom get on this. Get on
0: that's it. what I'm saying. That's that's why I'm trying to get everyone's mindset to be like, you can't go anywhere. Like the the thing I noticed too is that people went to that show and they 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 were like, this is my one night out. And I think yeah. they 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 connected to it in such a positive way. And for them to say, I'm going to go out to this and I'm going to see this and I'm going to support it. And it must feel good because there's kids like I the I saw Maritime play and there was a kid mm-hmm. yelling um red and blue jeans at him the whole night. <laughs> I think I've told the story before. But yeah. Davy wasn't mad and long story short, he, he they played New York. I bet that kid was there. And yep. and that, you know, to me was like he went Yelling Maritime songs. Yeah, yelling Maritime songs now. <laughs> Parade yeah. punk rock T shirts. But yeah. uh but just that whole thing of where they're they're reliving it and they're in their own way and wanting to connect. And I just, from your vantage point, why, yes, there's the metal community that's still around. There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, genres, but it, it's still so strong with so many people. And I get people mm-hmm. hitting me up, you know, about, Hey, you should interview this guy. I haven't talked about them in a while, or just, I feel like if they threw out all their CDs, they kept 10. And for some, yep. or they kept their iTunes and it's still this genre. And, um i'm just trying to still figure out in my head why that happened and why it's still so prominent today
2: yeah well i think it was just a formative time for a lot of people like y- you there were all of these bands like the, the Form mentioned what like a promise ring and jimmy world at the time it where they were like touring 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 you would you would go and see these bands and they were right there there was no barricade or anything after the show you could go talk to them you can go hang out with them you, maybe they were staying at your house you just develop this bond with with, with, with certain bands that just doesn't exist when you're you know if, that, that I didn't have with Mick Jagger you know what I mean like so the, it just it lasts so I mean even if you don't listen to your Promising record all the time you, you don't want to sell it because it just it reminds you of this really great time when they you know, you went to see him play. You sang along. You, went, you took him out to eat, and they stayed at your house or, or or whatever. And then you know, they they thank you in it or something. You know, it's like. It it's it was just touched people differently I think
0: so yeah I didn't really think about that about the sort of the, the 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 moment in time and when you said barricade like yeah there wasn't a barricade there was you could go up to them after and yeah. and at that time when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to listen to and and play sure. so and now with 2012 it's there's a few bands that I you know talk about and I'm like hey so what what bands do you like and they've mentioned every band from like 1998 uh, right, um, yeah. and so it's this obviously. 10 year 15 year sort of loop Uh, yeah exactly
2: and you know I hope I would hope that bands you know that that sort of the the kids that are into the bands now will come see us play too I don't want to play to you know a bunch of 37 year olds like me
0: Yeah, no, but I think
2: that's maybe, happening. Or maybe, or maybe I do. <laughs> Forget I said that
0: they have all the money,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly.
0: But it is—it is that it's the it's them finding and saying, "Wait a minute! Oh, wait, they connected to that, and that's why I listen to whatever band." Like I hope that right. kids are doing that, and obviously with this website, that's what all I've been trying to do is tell people um, about them. But I, I, I do feel when you guys do this tour, there will be those younger people. Um, cool. Uh, I think, but if I'm completely wrong, I will be out of the venue before. You <laughs> um, Sounds good. I was just thinking about a show that I saw you guys in college, and it's one of those ones you're probably gonna be like, "Oh, I totally remember," and you're lying. It's fine. So Let's I see. I loved to wear the opposite genre T-shirt of a show. So if That's I was great. going to a hardcore show, I wore an emo shirt. If I wore right. went to emo, I wore Converge. I wore Converge shirt to your show. Okay. S- I, think, I remember you. I think I got heckled. Good. I think I got what? heckled by me. Someone made a crack about, "Hey, look, there's a guy with a converged shirt here." Or some, it was some. And my buddy and I were like, "Did we just get heckled by Braid? Because that's pretty cool. Because we're still here." <laughs> I, I this does not sound familiar. Uh, where, where was it at? The Lizard and Snake in Chapel Hill. I do, uh, do
2: remember that place? Was it with Hellbender? No. No.
0: I, was it Rana Maria? I think it was Rana Maria. I think so. I think there's a video of that show, maybe on... Uh, we, should, we should we should do some research right now. The actuality of that, it
2: was a VHS that came out. I think it got us playing a song.
0: Yes, that tape I am contemplating to put online because I, I either find them from the bifocal guys if they're going to do it or not because yeah. there's so many good performances on that VHS. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that might have been that same show. Might have been. Anyway, it was hilarious. Um
1: I Well,
0: I'm sorry. I don't no. think it was me. I... No, no, not you. We, we <laughs> found it hilarious. We were like, that's awesome. You know, like they, they knew Converge or you know, like they at least sure. like referenced it. Um so no, that was that was crazy. The um was there I think for me there was a procession of braid and we I wanna move on to Hey Mercedes and kind of sure. um, some other stuff. And I felt you guys it was always I, I was collecting with you guys. It was, I mm. found out there was a new seven inch or there was a compilation or you're releasing this on this other label. And it was that sort of joy of collecting that you had to kind yeah. of do. Um, was that, was that, you know, we're trying to confuse our fans to find everything or was it, was it, Hey, Oh, you have a label. Yeah. We'll do something or
2: we have, are you are you saying that was with it? Uh, with Braid or that was braid. braid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was not, uh, we weren't like, putting out any challenge to people. It was more like we even had on our on the Thank You Welfare Boy CD, there was a thing under all the lyrics that said, we want to be on your comp. <laughs> so, I mean, that was that was it. I mean, we just started to put out stuff whenever anyone asked us to. Whenever anyone needed a song for a comp or asked us, we were like, all right, we'll just record the newest song we have and give it to you. Wow. Or split with with somebody that we'd met or something. Sure, let's do it. Yeah, it wasn't a, sort of a conscious effort to confuse people, but yeah. it is. I, I like the fact. Excuse me. I like the fact that um, that there are so many records out there, and you. I don't even know if I have them all. And I've really tried to keep them all, but how did know,
1: the
0: Todd, Yeah, Todd's
2: a record collector, so he. He's probably to blame for a lot
0: of that. <laughs> How did the one with uh, Tree Records and the Postmark Stamps comp, that's probably one of my favorites, I think, that kind of mm. was really stoked on when I got it. What Any any kind of, was it just a, hey, we, we, we have a comp, we want your song? Was it as simple as that?
2: Yeah, well, Ken from Tree was doing those Postmark Stamps 7 inches, and uh, we had met him. Around that time, or whatever, and I, it was around the time when we were touring a ton with get up kids, and he just yeah, he just basically asked us to do it and um yeah, we were psyched that dude you see he now does um numeral group. are you familiar with Numero group? Oh, it's an awesome label um check it out they um they research and dig up old like soul records and old. Just old forgotten records from like the 60s, seven recordings from the 60s, 70s, etc. From different pockets of the U.S. and maybe elsewhere. but And then just, just do a ton of research, contact the families of these old music- musicians and then re-release their records with like photos and sometimes DVDs. It's, it's really, really cool. That's amazing. Great, great aesthetic and just an awesome story. So yeah, you, know, you should check that out. But yeah, that's the dude who used to do Tree.
0: Oh wow! I, I mean, yeah. I work at a similar company that that does that. You know, sort of for um, uh, the scale. So that's great that he does that for those records that are probably going to yeah. be forgotten. Um, yeah. There was a request on Twitter for this for this qu- next question. Um, Uh-oh. Is there? I know. Is there any backstory to the song "Forever Got Shorter"? Will that? And if not, we can move
2: on. Um backstory well i don't i can't tell you i mean i'm I'm not saying like because i I won't tell you but i really don't remember exactly my mind like what my mind my mindset was around that time what's crazy is i probably still have the lyrics like when i was writing the lyrics i keep all that stuff because i'm a maniac but (laughs) um no I, i i really couldn't couldn't tell you. And then, you know, when you pull it now it's sort of like you think about other things that really weren't the original intent. But um no, like I, I really don't know. I, I know for a fact where I, I remember where I got the name for the song. It was from uh, a movie about last night. And I, I, it's not even like my favorite movie ever. I just thought it was a fun or a yeah. line that Rob Lowe says. He says, well, forever just got shorter. Or something like,
0: and we That's were going to be together,
2: well, forever just got shorter.
0: <laughs> I love
2: it. And I was like, forever got shorter. That's a song title. That <laughs> That's sort it. of the thing. Like we were just, had our, you know, ears open for yeah, songs, no. cool song titles.
0: And it's fine. We're both... Washed up. You don't have to remember everything. That's fine. That's
2: fine. <laughs> um, and, that's why I keep all this stuff, so I don't have to remember it.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I I collect all my tickets. Like, I have pretty much every ticket I've ever went to. Yeah, um, me too. And what? I guess are, are, we can maybe talk about this offline. Um, are, are we crazy, or what's the? I I wrote down every show that I saw. Like, yep. what what was the? Me too. Uh, is, is there a support group that we could join? What, what is this? <laughs> what
2: <did> I you... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I really don't know. It is a problem. We should, you know, we should sort of take it offline and, and uh, you know, Emo's in, anonymous. In, in a room. And yeah, exactly. I don't know, but I've always, always had this problem with um documenting things and listing things out. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to write down the top forty every every um day wow. I would get up and listen to it and write it down, and then I would make my own top 40. i have I still have sheets of like I don't know a few months worth of weekly. I would do top 75 like my top 75 songs wow. of the week like, <laughs> it, like what the like clearly, uh, you know if I, and what was crazy is I kept them to myself I, it, I kept them I kept all this stuff to myself, like what the hell is my problem? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's fun now because I'm I'm going through all that stuff and, you know, throwing stuff away finally. But it's cool to look at to be like, wow, I loved Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford and so much. It was number one on my charts. So, like, there's, and there's a bunch of songs on there, like, I don't even remember. I don't even know some of these songs. So I think, I think I'm going to keep them and sort of track down some of these songs to see, like, if I was just, what the hell was I going through? Those
0: would be really good Spotify playlists
2: uh really good is i don't know if i would say they'd be really good but interesting maybe for me i don't yes.
0: know yes well, you can make them private <laughs> you don't need to make them public
2: <laughs> yeah but that's what i've been doing this whole darn time it's all too private
0: <laughs> i started scanning um uh all a lot of things to digitize and then get rid yeah of. that's been my uh t-shirts i did it first i took photos um cool. and yeah so maybe uh
1: I don't know whether
2: it's just like this sort of weird collector sort of gene or error that, like, is in us or or sort of this I-need-to-prove-that-I-was-there sort of feeling. But it's so funny because it never comes up. It's never like, were you really there? (laughs) I I, I just have all these, you know, this list of shows I went to and stuff. It just, And then the same
0: thing with all the Braid shows, correct? There's a list of every show
2: yeah same with Hey mercedes i've i'm all I have all them listed out. wow
0: and with with hey mercedes was it you were is it we were getting into more melodic stuff um was it like another side to you that you said this is what I kind of want to
2: write no, not really it was more or less because you know at the end of braid um we weren't getting along so well with Chris and you know we just all we mutually decided now we should stop playing shows together stop doing Braid and so Todd and Damon and I still wanted to play together so we just kept going and you know at no point in time did we think "Oh, this is our chance to do X, Y, and Z that we couldn't do in Braid we just started writing songs so I mean it's yeah, it, if Chris if we just replaced Chris and Braid it would it would be basically the next Braid album would be the Hey Mercedes album because it was just it was just what we did. We never consciously said, "Hey, let's do this, this, and this." But it was just, you know, we brought in um, Mark Zalis, and that's what we wrote.
0: Yeah, it. Bells uh, is probably one of my favorite songs um, from all all the songs you put out for Hammer Mercedes. And I like that it starts out with a breakdown. That's what that's. I'm always a big <laughs> fan of breakdowns. So. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that was just the uh, just get the breakdown out of the way. Right pretty away. well. That's the thing. I am a huge. I did a top ten breakdowns every year on my college radio show, and so I was always really fascinated with where people put the breakdowns. And that song was. I think it's at the start. I think it's fantastic that it just kills it right at the start. Like you, you, you could do a stage right. dive in the first four seconds of the song, which. And I encourage. I encourage. Especially... <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> A few more things, just kind of... Sure. Uh, in the future, you know, there's been starts and stops through with Braid, and why why again now? I mean, you said you were talking to him again. Was it writing yeah. that EP, and now you're like, fuck, let's do more, let's let's tour, let's keep doing this? Yeah,
2: it, um, even when we were writing the EP, we we all were very cognizant uh, kind of the fact that, like, we like doing this, so... If we can, if we can do, it, if we can get together and do it, let's just keep doing it because we work really well together when we get the four of us get in a room and it's it's fun and you know easy to, for to an extent to, to to write songs with those dudes. So uh, yeah, we were always just like, let's you know do the EP and maybe we can record another EP the next week, next year, or do a record or something. And we never really want. To, to tour, nor do we want to tour full time, especially like how we we used to, because we've got you know other responsibilities. Yes. we yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, we just we just wanted to keep playing, and so yeah, that was basically it. As soon as or after we recorded the EP, and um, you know, did those shows, like Chris and I, just kept writing stuff.
0: And and I think just this is I think a great thing for people to hear because that's all that I think people want. They just, if you keep playing music, that's like the one thing I tell bands like, Hey, everybody, really nice to meet you. Keep playing music. And, and I think for you guys to still do that and there's people still buying it, there's people still going. Um, what keeps you guys motivated to do it? Because I know there's a ton of people out there that, that love it and enjoy that you guys are still going and that, what else kind of motivates you guys um, to keep doing it? Was it just you guys in a room and it's fun?
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's just this constant need. Maybe it's just this—it's the work ethic that we've all sort of been, you know, that's been, been drilled into our heads since the day we started playing. That it's like you can't sit still. Like you always got to be making music and writing stuff. I feel that way. I've always felt that way. So any downtime, you know, I was doing C on Film and *This Jack and Ace now and uh, certain people I know, like all these, it was just, there was never a point in time where I wasn't writing music because I just had to do it. it I don't know, it just makes me happy. If I'm not doing it, I'm unhappy. And it doesn't matter, you know, it, doesn't ma- it almost doesn't matter if I'm, Recording records or playing shows. I mean, for a long time, I was just writing songs for Threadless, like just kind of quick two-minute songs because it just made me happy. Mm-hmm. So that's why.
0: I think that's great. I think anyone hearing this is, and to me too, it's that's great to hear because it's coming from that right point. And I think through all the reunions and stuff, there's all these, oh, why are they coming back? It's it's the it's this time and this sure. time. It's, it's like no, it it you 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 want to do it like you. I, Texas, the reason, yeah. Texas, the reason reunion, you saw, they wanted to be up there. Promise sure. ring. you see Dan losing his mind, playing those songs. Yeah. And that's why, that's why it matters.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, listen, it's not like about money. Like none of us need money. <laughs> like I we all have jobs, you know, we're all, we're all happy. I just, you know, in that sense, we're happy. Like, but I just can't stop doing it. Like even even if no like I said even if no one comes even if we never write another album I'm still gonna be writing songs mm-hmm. probably with those dudes you know so. yeah
0: yeah no I meant that it just sometimes people throw that out there and I'm like the the situations are so different in each band and sure. and it you know there's obviously never the the true story sometimes never gets out or whatever people right, think right, and right. naysayers can uh not go and sit at home with their two kids and their wife yelling at them have fun um right. I mean, <laughs> i'm kidding i'm joking too- <laughs> 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 um looking into the future um anything else that you're super excited about um obviously the show is coming up um yeah. anything else you're super stoked on that people might be interested? i in?
1: am there is something.
2: Um, I. Again, because I, I just, I don't know, I constantly need to be busy with shit all the time, whether it's just like personal things or songs or, or, or whatever, DJing, listening to music, writing music, blah, blah, blah. But um, one thing I'm really excited about that um, I wanted to mention is uh, my friend Mark Rose, who's in the band Spittlefield, and uh, Dan Reed, who he used to do a zine called Rocket Fuel a long time ago. Yeah, he, uh, the, um, hey, you know what, that's, I know, I know that you know that because one of the first washed up email podcasts I listened to, someone mentioned Rocket Fuel and I told, I actually work with Dan here at so Telus. I was like, Dan, you gotta listen to just
1: talking about <laughs> Rocket
2: Fuel. Uh, but yeah, so the three of us are starting this website called Downright, mm-hmm. uh, D-O-W-N-W-R-I-T-E, that it's, you know, it's, it's actually a lot of work to get going and it's not, us yet, but the idea behind it is sort of like feeding, not literally, but like the sort of like crazy need for songwriters to, to create and, and write. And so, what it, you know, basically what we want to create is like an artist-centric custom song shop so that instead of, you know, somebody like some musician being like, Hey, I'll write you a song for 10 bucks or some, some stuff like that, which always felt like dirty to me and like weird. And I, I just, I never liked that. I, what I want to do is create a place where that sort of thing can happen, but it's not, there's no, there's not like a weird stigma because I want the artist to have a little more control uh, in it. Like for instance, um, I could go on and say, you know, I want to, I want to write uh, ten songs about cities or something, or 10, 10 like two-minute Ramones uh, or Misfits-esque songs or whatever, and then people could basically like sponsor s- songs, um, and and basically do like albums, you know, online albums. Yeah. So and, and then, but you know, I also want to cater to people who want who who need songs for certain situations like. Uh, you know, if, if Mike Concello wanted to be, wanted to say, hey, I'll write um, instrumentals for your YouTube video or something or, or your uh, performance, your your play or something or whatever. The, you know, there was uh, uh, my friend, our friend Joel, who got married, had Mike do like an acoustic version for him of the song One of These Days that they like walk down the aisle to. Like, I mean, I I just, I feel like there's all of this opportunity for bands to, to do this and really con- and, and songwriters to really connect with the fans, like in a way that doesn't exist right now. Um, that's a really and, cool idea. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's not up yet. We're still like working through all the legal, legal junk, but, uh, yeah, I hope we hope to have that launched next month or or within the next few months for sure. And at that point, you probably I I won't really shut up about it. <laughs> it's one of those things where I want I want this site to exist so I can use it. Yeah. You know? So if if it doesn't exist, like let's just make it.
0: You need you're you're trying to make fire right now because you need to eat.
2: <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> no, I need mean, I need to I need to write music. Basically.
0: <laughs> Um, well, that's great. We'll definitely, um, a link to that when that goes live. And, um, yeah. And, uh, Bob, thank you so much for doing this. Um, as a person to has watched from afar and, you know, seen you guys live and now this, it's like the, you, you motivate me a little bit just because of how much stuff you're doing. And there's obviously this is all outside of my normal, you know, job kind of things. And, and for you sure. to still have all Thanks, these things Bob. going on and it's, 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 it's great to have. And I think a lot of people are, you know, are, are happy that you are motivated because they're interested in what you're doing. So,
1: <laughs> thanks, man.
2: You know that means a lot. It means a whole lot. And I, I, I yeah, I hope people keep creating and keep making music too.